1: Welcome to The Jenna Ellis Show, sponsored by Legacy Precious Metals. There has never been a better time to invest in precious metals. Visit LegacyPMInvestments.com. That's LegacyPMInvestments.com.
0: As a constitutional law attorney, former senior legal advisor and personal counsel to President Donald J. Trump jenna ellis believes in the rule of law and the importance of integrity in our elections and she's ready to tackle the big cultural and legal issues facing america this is the jenna ellis show here is your host jenna ellis
1: Legacy Precious Metals is the company that I trust to give you good and patient counsel for investing in your retirement. The Biden administration has caused a financial crisis, and they have no clue how to fix it. Oil prices have skyrocketed, and when oil prices go up, not only do your expenses go up, but the cost of transportation and shipping spikes, leading the prices of goods to rise. And and we are already seeing record inflation. That's the last thing that we need. Our economy is in trouble, and you need to take steps to protect yourself. If all your money is tied up in stocks, bonds, and traditional markets, you may be vulnerable. So gold is one of the very best ways to protect your retirement. No matter what happens, you own your own gold. It's real, it's physical, and it's always been valuable since the dawn of time. Call Legacy Precious Metals today at 866-528-1903 or visit them online at LegacyPminvestments.com. That's LegacyPminvestments.com where you can download the free investor's guide. You can also go to my Facebook page, Jenna Ellis. I am a public figure on Facebook and I just posted yesterday a really great interview with the president of Legacy Precious Metals who is discussing why you need to start your retirement account even if you're in your 20s or 30s. There is always a great time to protect your retirement and invest just like you want to protect your health over the long term. So go to Legacy Precious Metals at LegacyPMInvestments.com or call 866-528-1903. All right, and welcome to another episode of The Jenna Ellis Show. I'm Jenna Ellis. And with all of the things going on in the world, uh, we still need to obviously focus on some things that are happening domestically, especially really important litigation that uh, is going on around the country. And our friends at Alliance Defending Freedom, which full disclosure, I'm an allied attorney with the Alliance Defending Freedom. I fully support their work. Uh, They have been just prolific in litigating cases all around the nation and at the Supreme Court. Uh, They have a really important case coming coming up that's out of Vermont that deals with school choice and also has a religious liberty component. So joining me now is Paul Schmidt, who serves as legal counsel for the Alliance Defending Freedom. So Paul, thanks so much for joining me today.
2: Thank you for having me, Jenna. Glad to be here.
1: Absolutely. And thanks so much for the work that you're doing. And so, you know, we keep hearing about these cases like the Trinity Lutheran case, of course, and others, uh, that the state is just trying, it seems like, to discriminate against uh, parents who want to provide school choice for their kids that have a religious component to that, and that should not foreclose their ability to receive state funding and other benefits that are available to anyone, whether or not it's religious-based education. So tell me what's going on in Vermont with this particular case.
2: Sure, Jenna. So Vermont has this really excellent program. Uh, You know, Vermont is a largely rural state. It has a lot of little towns, and many of these small towns can't afford to actually operate a public high school or sometimes even a public elementary school. And so what those towns do, instead of operating the public school, is they give families a tuition benefit, and the families can take their benefit and use it at any public or private school of their choice, um, and that pays for the family's tuition for their child to go to those schools. The problem is, for about 21 years, Anytime families chose religious schools for their children, uh, school districts in the state of Vermont would block those families and, and revoke their benefit.
1: Yeah. And so, you know, this seems like it's just a no brainer that obviously if the state is providing tuition assistance like this, and I think, you know, a lot of parents who are listening to this are thinking that actually sounds great. Maybe I need to move to a small town that doesn't provide public education because there are so many movements that are for funding students and funding families instead of funding public schools. Uh, But it just seems like a no-brainer that obviously the state couldn't discriminate on that tuition assistance benefit for religious-based education. So what is the argument from Vermont to specifically exclude uh, families like the one that you're representing?
2: So Vermont has a provision in their state constitution uh, called the Compelled Support Clause. And basically the idea was when the state of Vermont was founded, you know, hundreds of years ago, that the state couldn't tax citizens to pay for, you know, ministers or to build churches or that kind of thing. And unfortunately, the Vermont Supreme Court has read that provision so broadly that um, the mentality in, in the state is that no public funding of any kind can make its way to a religious school. And of course, that's really the wrong way to think about this kind of program. It's not like the state is taking this money and funneling it to a church. It's that families are taking a benefit and using them in the way that is the best for their children. And so really it's not just that it's unconstitutional because it is, and the Supreme Court in multiple cases has said you can't take away benefits from families just because they choose to use them at religious institutions. It's also just unfair.
1: Right. So would this have any particular impact then on, say, a church run school where the education is, you know, K through 12 and it provides a regular, uh, you know, math and you know, STEM kind of education that any other public school would provide? It's just uh, done through a church uh, and it, it's really supporting the families who then go to uh, to choose which particular outlet for education they deem best for their children.
2: That's exactly right. You know, one of our clients is the Diocese of Burlington, and they operate several high schools. Uh, One of them is Mount St. Joseph Academy, where the particular family who was denied in this instance sends their kids. It's a really great school. It's on a college prep track. It has many AP and honors courses that it provides as uh, options for, you know, their students. And it's got really excellent Uh, athletics and performing arts and all these kinds of things. And that just means by excluding Mount St. Joseph and other Catholic schools from the program, you've just taken away this really great option for all these kids.
1: Yeah, and it doesn't seem to make sense at all when you look at uh, that particular provision in Vermont to say that funding particularly uh, ministries or churches or ministers, I mean, that's an entirely separate category of specifically um, work that's done for furtherance of a church body rather than specifically focused on education. And plus the uh, the funding and the tuition assistance goes to the family. It doesn't go to, to specifically support a particular church or a particular outlet of the state's choosing. And so that seems to be, you know, kind of uh, not specifically attenuated enough for the state to make their case. But at what point then is this case that you're litigating now, and I think uh, the his name is E.W. versus French. Uh, where? What's the posture of the case now and where is it headed?
2: Yeah. So last, I guess it would have been about a week ago, we filed the complaint and now we're going to ask the court for an injunction, uh, basically stopping these state officials and these government officials from denying the family their you know, rightful benefit. Um, there are other cases that are similar to this that have been filed in Vermont. The federal district court has been waiting for the Supreme Court's decision uh, coming up in, you know, uh, Carson versus Macon, which is a similar program based out of the state of Maine. Um, But, you know, this family really needs injunctive relief uh, soon because they have a son who's trying to choose a college, and whether or not the family gets this tuition benefit is going to impact, you know, if and where he can go to school. Uh, Because, you know, having to pay high school tuition out of pocket, um, as many families that choose religious schools in Vermont has had to do, it kind of sets all these families up at a disadvantage compared to their neighbors. So we're really looking for injunctive relief, and we're, we're trying to ask the court basically to strike down this discriminatory regime that's been going on for more than two decades.
1: Yeah, and um, I wish you a lot of success there because uh, hopefully that injunction, uh, you know, will be granted by the court. And what do you anticipate, speaking of Carson versus Macon, um, I spoke a little bit about that case on this show previously, but just to give uh, some of the listeners um, kind of a more broad overview of where uh, that case's posture is and then how this can potentially affect Um, uh, uh, families across the country, because a lot of people, again, especially um, in the midst of the pandemic, when families were looking at other alternatives, when schools were closed, they're looking at homeschooling, they're looking at other school choice options. It seems to make sense in terms of um, a, a legislative posture for state legislatures to take up more of a funding of families, funding of the student Rather than funding of specifically public schools. And uh, so, what is the posture across the country and what do you expect from the outcome of Carson versus Macon?
2: Yeah, so just uh, speaking kind of globally about what's going on with school choice, you know, last year school choice had one of its best years across the nation in state legislatures. There were more school choice bills introduced uh, in the last year than there have been in, in you know, uh, recent memory. And so a lot of exciting things are happen- happening. Families have more options and really can find the school that's the best fit for their kids. Carson is an important piece in this whole puzzle because basically what the Carson decision will do is it will finally say, look, uh, you know, states, many of these states have, have what are called Blaine Amendments in their state constitutions, which are provisions that are designed to keep, um, you know, these benefit." Uh, these kind of benefit programs from benefiting religious schools and religious institutions. So hopefully what Carson will do is come down and say, we really mean what we say. You can't uh, use these provisions in your state constitution to keep uh, these benefits away from families who want to send their kids to religious schools. You can't you know, rely on clever distinctions uh, or excuses in trying to deny funds for these families. And so hopefully the Supreme Court will just draw a very bright line that protects the religious schools, protects the families that choose to send their kids to go there.
1: Yeah. And, you know, Paul, what's, what's so um, hypocritical to me about the leftist posture in this and how, uh, you know, they're trying to these regimes and these schemes like in Vermont and Maine and other, uh, you know, other states around the country um, when they're trying to say that we're we're going to exclude uh, sending this funding to parents who choose religious education, when you look at the state's sponsored um, education, and when you look at things that are going through uh, some of the the public schools, like in my home state of Colorado, for example, and some of the sex education programs, um, some of the things that we're seeing from uh, the left in terms of their um, you know their broad push for LGBT uh, oriented um, sex education, uh, some of those things, and even as young as kindergarten. I mean, that's something that is also a worldview and a sincerely held, dare I say it, religious belief. And so all of these components, there is a case to be made that even the public schools are borderline advocating for a certain perspective and a certain religion. And so why are they not excluded from uh, public dollars and public funding if they want to push some of these worldviews into their curriculum that absolutely contain a religious component because it's a viewpoint of mankind and it's a viewpoint of um, human sexuality. It's a viewpoint that isn't specifically religiously neutral.
2: Yeah, the, what you've brought up in the controversy surrounding all those issues really only highlight the importance of letting families choose the place that's best for their kids, because precisely because we, a lot of us as Americans disagree about all these different issues, right? And so locking it all down to having only one choice for families and their kids really does them a great disservice. You know, the Supreme Court in a couple of cases has said that there's a constitutional right for parents to direct the upbringing of their children, and really, these school choice programs help realize that for a lot of these families. So it's very important that, you know, the court issue a very strong opinion here uh, in in Carson and in following cases that helps families, you know, find that best fit for their kids.
1: Yeah. Amazing how the left is uh, completely for diversity until it comes to education and until it comes to the uh, programming of young kids and specifically what they want uh, kids to have to be exposed to, and they don't want parents to be able to direct uh, the education and upbringing of their children when it contains a viewpoint that they particularly disagree with. So, uh, so Paul Schmidt, when do you expect the uh, Carson versus Macon case to be handed down? Obviously, it'll come uh, sometime before June, but um, any anticipation of any time before then?
2: I wish I had insider knowledge on that. Unfortunately, I don't. But It it seemed to be from the oral arguments that this wasn't going to be a big blockbuster controversial thing. A lot of the justices um, seemed pretty open to the idea that, you know, the state really shouldn't just take this choice away from families. And so I I would anticipate we might get it before June.
1: That would be great. And, uh, and just more broadly speaking as well, in the last few minutes that I have with you, and I really appreciate your time here, um, speak a little bit to just Alliance Defending Freedom. I know my listeners are really familiar uh, with ADF, of course, um, the CEO, Mike Ferris, who's been a dear friend and mentor of mine uh, you know, since I was in high school and um, just really appreciate him and um, all the work that ADF does. Uh, where can people find you, other issues that you're litigating and how people can support the mission of the Alliance Defending Freedom?
2: Great. The best place I would direct them to is our website, which is adflegal.org. Um, and you can find a lot of information about not just, you know, the French cases going on in Vermont, but on every issue. We do, obviously, religious liberty, marriage in the family, human life work. Uh, we're helping protect women's sports with our Title IX litigation. And uh, we're we're now doing more in the space of parental rights and helping helping families in that way. And so all that information, the cases we're working on, and the ways that people can help um, are all available there.
1: Yeah, and for people who may not know as well, I mean, ADF isn't just about litigation. You also have um, model legislation, speaking of women's sports, that was the model legislation for, I think, something around 18 states to protect uh, women's sports. And that's, you know, just and counting. And so um, there's also a legislative component. And so, um, you know, ADF is trying to protect uh, the, the constitutional rights of Americans, especially uh, for Americans to understand um, the values that come from our Constitution. And so I always really appreciate, Appreciate uh, the work that everyone at ADF is doing. And so keep us posted on this case. Wish you a lot of luck. That is um, EW versus French. And so, Paul Schmidt, thanks so much for your time today.
2: Thank you, Jen. I'm glad, glad to share it with you.
1: All right. You know, friends, that I talk a lot about faith, family, and freedom. And we all know that the fight is on to preserve those things for America. And that's why I'm asking you to join me in being a member of AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. A subscription to AMAC is only $16 a year. And your membership is not only good for America, it's really good for you too. Because AMAC members receive countless benefits and discounts while also having their values represented in Washington, D.C. So AMAC, carries your concerns straight to Capitol Hill with the EMAC Action Advocacy Team, reminding our leaders that we stand for faith, family, and freedom. With 2.3 million other AMAC members nationwide, we can all fight to save the America we love. So join AMAC today by going to amac.us forward slash ellis. If you've already joined AMAC, make sure to renew your subscription because America needs you. So join today and unite your voice with millions of other freedom-loving Americans. Go to amac.us forward slash ellis today. I thought for today we would do something a little more lighthearted because the news has just been one thing after the next with Ukraine, uh, with inflation, with Joe Biden's State of the Union that was absolutely a train wreck. And so um, I thought I would bring on some new friends of mine because one of the fun things about my job is that I actually get to travel uh, quite a bit with different clients, um, different speaking engagements, and I end up meeting through kind of, you know, friends of friends, a lot of really amazing people across America. So um, through some friends that I actually met, um in Miami, then out in California, so kind of coast to coast. Um, I now have the pleasure of knowing Cedric and Brian. Welcome to The Jenna Ellis Show. Thank you, thank Jenna. you. So what is your background and your story of why? Because um, you guys are just two regular guys who I met through a friend of a friend, and uh, you know, and you guys reached out and said, hey, you know, we have this show. We're just two regular guys who got really interested in politics, and uh, you know, so what's kind of your background and why are you doing this show?
3: Well, so I had an idea of just it was gonna just be Cedric because I I was getting into. I'm actually a chiropractor by trade, and Cedric is a a teacher and he's also in real estate. But I said, hey Cedric, let's let's do a show. I want to start learning how to edit and do this stuff for uh, for film and video. And you know, he he took stand up for a a little bit and he's done plays. So I thought you'd be you know a good guy to to let me get my chops on this editing stuff. And then we did a test one and we were both in it oh. and our rapport was actually pretty good. So my wife and uh, some other people said, hey, you guys should do it together. So that's how it happened. It was just kind of a on a lark. And we started, if you look at our old episodes, Cedric would come up with stuff. It's like, which way do you hang your toilet paper? So it was very non-political <laughs> at, start. at the beginning. It was just like, hey, what, let's talk about goofy stuff that people people
4: always ask. That's one of our best shows, actually. Yeah and yeah. then I had a pet peeve You know what's so, so interesting
1: like- about stuff like that though is like when I used to have a radio show in Denver and I would fill in you know for some other Um, other of my friends, uh, so often when we would have guests that would call in, it would be on the most innocuous things. Like one of our best shows was people had huge opinions over whether, you know, iPhone versus Android, because I'm one of those people, like if you're a green bubble, sorry, I automatically assume that there's probably something wrong with you. And so that was one of our most popular shows ever, because I think people have opinions on some of the most mundane things that we can all relate to. So, so that's hilarious.
3: Yeah, and then I had, we did a pet peeve one because he knows my pet peeve is the shopping cart thing, so I, we had to do one on that.
1: Wait, what is that?
3: You know, when people don't put the shopping carts away after they grocery shop and they just leave them all over the parking lot. We're I just, not allowed I get, to do that. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> so we did we did it on that, but then then of course the summer of 2020 happened, and um, the COVID and the and the George Floyd and we Cedric had wanted to go political for a while and I said now let's keep it away from politics and then we did a I think a TikTok yes on on the riots or I can't remember if it was it covid or the riots and all of a sudden it went viral and I thought maybe that's where we should go with our YouTube yeah. and the the rest is history we just kind of stayed in that lane
1: Awesome. Awesome. And and you've said, too, that a lot of people um, are commenting on how you guys have such a good rapport. And obviously, you know, one of you is black, one of you is not black. And so, um, you know, so that's, that is, uh, you know, I mean, if I can, if I can, if I can comment on that, because obviously, you know, I don't know how either of you identify, maybe you both identify like Elizabeth Warren, you know, that you're Native American. I mean, who knows? So just guessing on that one. But, um, you know, but you've said that a lot of people, um, are actually surprised that you have such a good rapport, but I think that that's actually part of what makes America great. And one of the things that is such a lie from Washington that somehow people who have differences, whether it's skin color, it's gender, it's whatever, that we can't dialogue and we can't actually be friends, and that we have to disagree over everything unless we are all exactly the same. That's such a lie from Washington. So you've you've mentioned that that's one of the um, kind of the biggest comments that you guys get about your shows.
4: Yeah it, yeah, it surprises us when we get it because Brian and I, we've been friends for 21, 22 years now. Yeah. We we met at the gym. Um, he took pity on me. Uh, believe it or not, if you ever watched uh, the show with us uh, starring Jaleel White, I was the original Steve Urkel. So Brian walked into the gym, took pity upon me, oh, no. and we met and we started weightlifting and things like that. And, and he was married and had young kids and I was married and had young kids. And our friendship just blossomed and we realized we shared similar, you know, morals and ethics and values. What's well,
3: because I told you that black joke right at the beginning.
4: He, t- he told me uh, like <laughs> two weeks after we're at the gym, he goes, hey, can I tell you a black joke? <laughs> I don't remember the joke because it wasn't funny. It was funny. Brian doesn't, Brian doesn't do funny. <laughs> so I, so I, don't, I don't remember the joke. But we just, and that was, that was huge because we, we could laugh with each other and talk about things. And so when people leave comments, it's like, wow, this is so refreshing to see a black guy and a white guy getting along. We don't really think about it because I don't see him as Brian, the white guy. He doesn't see me as Cedric, the black guy. We just we're just Cedric and Brian. That was a plug for the show, too, by the way. <laughs> every Tuesday and Thursday on YouTube.
1: Yeah, well, and that's awesome. So, so it's uh, when did you say it's Tuesday and Thursdays on YouTube?
3: Yeah, I try to release them every Tues uh, Tuesday and Thursday morning on YouTube, and it's just Cedric and Brian. Google that on um, on YouTube. It should pop up. We're also on Rumble. We did. We did. Okay put it on there because we never know when we're going to get... Because we did get one episode actually shut down because we talked to Dr. Barkey, and I don't know if you're familiar with him. He was one of the original doctors that was talking about hydroxychloroquine. Can I say that on your show? I'm not going to
1: yeah.
3: get kicked <laughs> off. Right. Um, they, they shut us down. I think it's I okay now. Like out. somehow the science yeah, has
1: changed. And so, you know, and we're also past that because now Ukraine is the big thing. So nobody's even talking about COVID anymore. So I don't know what the rules are. You know, it, it, it the science changes daily, apparently.
3: Right. Yeah, well, I guess the thing that just came out of the Biden administration right now is now they're talking about therapeutics. Hmm, we we haven't talked about that for two years, but now it's a thing.
1: <laughs> wow. Well, you know, and what, one of the things that I think is so refreshing um, about you guys, and you know, and I've I've looked at a few of the episodes of of your shows, and um, you know, when regular average people get engaged in politics and have real conversations, it makes everybody else feel like, oh, we're part of normal society. This isn't just, you know, all of the suits that are in New York with all of the, you know, professional lighting and the cameras on, you know, the mainstream media and CNN and all of this that are telling us, how we have to think and what the narrative is. And so part of the fascination, I think, about um, podcasts and about other alternative media is that regular people now have access to all of these platforms to be able to engage the dialogue in a lot different way than we uh, than we ever used to before. And I did an episode, actually, um, you know, for my listeners who will be aware of this, um, you know, probably, this was probably several months ago. Uh, when Chris Wallace left to go from uh, Fox News over to CNN Plus, And everybody's like, what is he doing going over to the streaming network? But a lot of viewers, and especially in the younger demographic, are actually leaving a lot of the traditional cable legacy networks. And they're tuning in to the Average Guy podcast. I mean, look at Joe Rogan. That is something that's huge now because people want to have honest, down-to-earth conversations with real people. And so I applaud you guys for doing this. And, you know, from um, from just the perspective of politics, you know, you said that you got engaged in that because, you know, you're kind of looking at what's going on in politics and culture um, around, you know, around our nation and around the world. And so kind of give people an idea of where you're coming from with that and why it's important to each of you.
3: Well, I guess when it started with the, the whole George Floyd thing. So we've we're we're about the same age, so we grew up with the Rodney King stuff, and we've we've dealt with the race stuff. He's older. Right now. <laughs> and Cedric is a a conservative black guy, so right off the bat, he at the time, the was kind, of, kind of kind of a unicorn, but now now we're seeing more and more. A lot of our uh, subscribers are black conservatives, and we're finding them more and more. Which is which I know Cedric is probably finally happy with that because originally we thought you know he was. He was the Larry Elder and I was the Dennis Prager. So we were going to be the next Larry and Dennis. But um, we're seeing more and more. And he was called, and I'm sure, I don't know if you watched that episode, you know, he's called Uncle Tom and a coon and all those things. So um, we decided we've got to get the message out there that it's not a monolith, and Cedric talks about that all the time.
4: Yeah, I, I think it's also important to use facts and figures and statistics. And so usually when I get into the t- discussions with other people, I'm like, well, can you explain to me why you feel the way you feel? And I'm, it's usually met with some type of visceral hate. And like Brian said, it, here comes the Uncle Tom and the coon and the sellout. And I said, I understand you are or, – or, I'm a complete idiot. And I said, I agree with you. I am an idiot. <laughs> I agree with you completely. But tell me why. Explain to me why you feel that way because I've explained to you why I feel the way I feel and I've used facts and figures and statistics to back it up. Facts don't care about your feelings. Facts don't care about your feelings.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, quoting some Ben Shapiro there and there now too as well. So yeah, and that's you know those types of conversations are so important, and to just be able to engage with uh, with people who disagree. And so you know there's so many people um, across the spectrum who they will push back against. Conservatives and against um, anything that that we're in, trying to engage in the dialogue by just call the name calling or saying oh you're an idiot or you know my favorite on Twitter is hashtag fake Christian and I'm like well. You know, it, this is rich from someone who clearly hasn't even read the Bible at all trying to tell me how they think I'm not adhering to a religion and a God that they don't believe in, you know? And so these are things and um, and arguments that ultimately are just inflammatory that aren't getting to the merit of the conversation. And so having um, those types of dialogues and being able to encourage other people to, um, to be able to put forth their ideas and and genuinely push back against the rhetoric and um, and sometimes, you know, the really harsh and abusive rhetoric. I mean, you know, people like, like you and I who, you know, engage with people all the time, like, I don't care what people call me. I'm never offended by anything because I've heard every name in the book. I mean, I'm a blonde female lawyer. Believe me, I've heard all the jokes, and some of them are actually funny. Um, so it's totally fine with me, but for the average person – it can be really hard to to go out and put forth your political viewpoints that aren't necessarily um, the majority view, depending on what area in the country you live in. And you guys are in California, right? So, I mean, that's even harder uh, sometimes to be a conservative in that environment, even though I think there's a ton of conservatives in California. You're just kind of more the silent majority there. And so to give people more of an encouragement, of, of saying, you know, this is how you can push back in a way that's not just a bombastic argument. It's actually trying to show the other person the tension point of their own worldview and to say, well, why do you think the way that you're thinking? That logically doesn't really make sense. So, you know, for you guys out in California, um, what's been your experience there over the last, you know, especially the last two years with all of the crazy COVID lockdowns, you know, the rhetoric, um, all of the the church closure cases i mean that's where i've been in california um you know for the churches that are there and you know just seeing all of the oppression but then also the people who are standing up and saying well wait a minute you know this doesn't match reality what's your experience been
3: well we've been lucky because we live kind of in a pocket of california that you do see more of the trump flags and things like that uh, because we're i don't know your viewers are familiar with an area called norco but it's called horsetown usa so it's kind of the cowboys in the middle of all this suburbia but as soon as you step out of this bubble yes it's it's you see masks everywhere because we went to tennessee didn't see any masks in nashville we come back here and you got to put the mask on this is back in april um so it is it is funny here but i think this is where cedric has the advantage because during the whole george floyd thing which was also the COVID time. Um, he couldn't just be called a racist, uh, mm-hmm. so he—he he was the one wearing the the MAGA hat, and I wasn't because, for some reason, he could get away with it. And we know the reason, right, Jenna? Right, right. I mean, and
1: it used to be, you know, before the whole Black Lives Matter thing, I mean, for a long time it was the rise of feminism. And I could say things as a woman that guys couldn't get away with. And it's all this identity politics that is just such a disaster because it shouldn't matter what you look like. I mean, the Bible says that, you know, even if a child speaks truth, it's still truth. You know, so it doesn't matter who speaks it, it matters the substance of what is being said and whether or not um the substance of what's being said matches reality. Um so so that's interesting. But you know Cedric, you were about to say something as well.
4: Well just about two weeks ago we hosted the Super Bowl here. Um do you want to say something about that? I'm a Rams fan, so okay. yes okay. That's, all, that's, that's all you get to say. <laughs>
1: nice. Yeah, so, yeah, and your LA mayor who's like set the world record oh, for holding God. his breath, you know, taking right? pictures. I that know. was ridiculous. It's
4: like smile or oh, holding our breath.
1: Yeah.
4: <laughs> but I think a lot of Californians, they went around the SoFi Stadium during that time and they cr- cleaned up all the, the homeless people. And those are three of the biggest things that concern Californians crime, homelessness, and school choice. But none of those things are addressed here. And I was so excited a while ago when Larry Elder was running for governor. But I guess uh, they, well, they wanted someone who was black, they wanted someone who fit their agenda. But I guess he was the wrong black guy. Um, he was, but, he was but, the but black
3: face of white supremacy. He was the
4: black face of white supremacy. <laughs> But, right. but crime is on the uprise, uh, homelessness, um, like I said, where we live here, we're about 45 minutes from downtown L.A., and if you take any exit there, there are actually rows and rows of tents of just homeless people urinating on the streets, defecating on the streets. It, it's horrible, and none of that stuff is addressed, but... That's uh, why I'm dragging him out to Tennessee. I've already bought we're land go out to Tennessee. there, so.
3: We'll be there three years.
4: I had to drive uh, four miles to Brian's house. I had to take out a second on my home to get the money to put in the gas tank. Right. The gas is like almost $6 now. Yeah. Right?
1: Yeah. Well, so do you Uh, see a future for California, or do you think that the conservatives are going to continue to migrate out to Tennessee and Florida and other free states?
3: I think not just the politics, but the cost of living is kind of pushing your average middle-class worker out of here anyways, and those middle-class workers tend to lean a little bit more conservative so it's just kind of a natural thing unfortunately that's kind of why i finally picked up my stakes and decided mm-hmm. to go and when we saw people like dave rubin and the daily wire mm-hmm. and all of them leave it's like yeah i i don't have enough years left in my life to stay for the fight i mean the young kids if they want to fight for california that's great but i don't see it getting better in fact i talked to somebody who said yeah i'm glad that all oh, you guys are leaving because then the state will become more blue and that's my fear
1: Wow. Yeah, isn't that sad? Do. And it's like, what have blue policies ever done for Democrats in, in a good way? I mean, who is continuing Almost to vote for else. Nancy Pelosi? I mean, I, I, I can't even <laughs> believe that that woman is still in office. I mean, just so insane.
3: I know. But that's California. That's why I think people finally decided to leave. Because, you know, people said, well, I'm going to stay and fight. And they stayed and fight. And then when we saw the Larry Elder debacle, it's I think people finally said... Hmm. It's not going to happen soon enough, so yeah,
1: yeah, I was actually really d- discouraged that the recall uh, wasn't even as close as it could have been in it, and that it should have been I mean that was an opportunity for California to send a very clear message to the Democrats to Gavin Newsom, and I think you know he he was really nervous about that, and so the fact that it wasn't closer and that he um he actually won. That recall by a more significant margin you know that was um, that was discouraging, but also you know California. You know, you guys have a lot to do um, as far as cleaning up a lot of your um, election integrity issues as well. I mean, you know, some of the stuff that goes on in California, especially L.A. County, some of the statistics there is just absolutely ridiculous. So, you know, there were some people who really weren't uh, that surprised with it because California is basically legalized cheating. I mean, you know, they've they've done so many things, whether it's ballot harvesting, you know, mail-in, all that kind of stuff that... Uh, really doesn't encourage um, the safety and security of the ballot there. So, um, you know, so we'll see. So, um, so you know, so you guys are still there though in California at least for now, and you're you're fighting the good fight. So, what's next on uh, on your agenda and the upcoming week for your show and uh, what you think Americans need to really be focused on right now?
3: Well, that's one thing we never run out of material because there's <laughs> the last two years have just been nuts. So that's kind of another reason we switched because you can always find material. Uh, we also do music reviews, so we'll be doing, There's a he's actually a Canadian, but he's moved to LA, but he's hes more of a conservative rapper, even though I'm not a rap guy, his name's Tom McDonald, I don't know if any of your uh, viewers have seen him, so we kind of fell into reviewing some of these more conservative-leaning um, artists, too, and Aaron Lewis, who used to be with Stained, and so we've picked up a base with that, too, because people like the fact that they're finding other people out there. That agree with their narrative that are in pop culture because that's what we need to do we need to take back the pop culture because we've lost it we've lost the schools we've lost the pop culture and obviously now we've lost the government for now but hopefully in November that will change
1: Yes, yes. Everybody needs to get out and vote in uh, 2022. But yeah, you're absolutely right. And, you know, my friends over at the Daily Wire are doing a really good job with trying to get more um, in the entertainment lane and that focus, because um, you're right, especially with young people, uh, there's so much that is political that can be said through entertainment. And when conservatives and Christians just completely give up ground in every area except the four walls of the church, then ultimately we end up having, you know, the government starting to pound down on those doors as well. So, um, so that's great. And, uh, you know, Cedric, what's, what else is up on the line for you?
4: Not much. We're just trying to put the word out there. Uh, like Brian said, we just want to give the normal people hope. I mean, it's one thing to be a Jenna Ellis or a Ben Shapiro or a Dave Rubin, but we just like to come off as the normal nine to five working guy and just be there for the people. Um, I asked Brian today. I said, "Hey, should we put on a collared shirt and we do this for Jen?" He goes, "That's not us. That's not us." He said, "We're we're we're t-shirts, jeans, we're the we're the everyday guys, and I just we just want to give people hope and just say, you know what? If you guys stick to the truth and and this is what's going on,
3: this is unity. This is what Cedric says all the time. So one of a, a person that he knows, daughter came up with this, and we thought that's just our perfect logo now. So it's just."
1: That's that 's fantastic, yeah, and I see this d and b in in the background there with the American flag, so that 's great, yeah, our, and you know, Edward and I hope Watchers that actually uh, made that for us it, sorry, what
3: one of the, our subscribers actually made that for us
1: oh wow that 's yeah. awesome he
3: mailed that is us. That great nice. all right
1: We'll tell people again where they can find you and uh, listen to you, do average you guys, and you know I really applaud you guys for doing that, and I wish that you know, more Americans um, would stand up and speak out and whether they want to have a podcast like yours, whether they just want to talk to their friends and family, or most importantly, in the church as well. I mean, pastors need to be speaking up and every American has a responsibility to help take back our culture and our government and our country. So where can people find you guys?
4: I'll let Brian answer that. But just to touch on what you said, I mean, it says in Proverbs, "A, a good man leaves a legacy for his children's children. The way our country's going right now, we're trillions and trillions of dollars in debt. We're not leaving a legacy for our children's children. We're leaving them drowning in debt. So we've got to do a better job of getting out there and and educating our children's children to make sure that they have a good country that we can leave them. Um, And then to find us, you can go to
3: Cedricandbrian.com. That will have all the links or just Google Cedric and Brian for YouTube, Rumble. Um, We have a TikTok presence. We don't really follow up with that much lately. Uh, he's on. We're on Instagram. Cedric takes care of that, and we're on Facebook. And just Cedric and Brian, just spell it like this right here, if you can Cedric see Cedric comes first. Yeah, Cedric had to come first because that was the
1: that rule. was. <laughs> that, yeah, that that was the agreement. All right. Well, uh, sounds okay, good. Well, thanks Jenna, so much Jenna, for dropping you, you by, guys. Jenna. You may this
4: out. I need to ask you something. Yes. Who is he? Is he going to run in 2024?
1: Well, you know, I saw him at CPAC uh, just a couple weeks ago and that was an amazing speech and he came the closest ever that he's actually said that he's going to run. So I think he definitely will. And uh, I think America's looking forward to it. So, ladies
4: and gentlemen, you heard here first, Cedric and Brian <laughs> breaking the news.
1: <laughs> there you go, there you go. Well, Cedric and Brian, my new friends from California, thanks so much for dropping by, and looking forward to your show. And uh, keep up the great work. I think it's awesome to have you know two guys like you who are out there who are wanting to just speak truth. And uh, and so, thanks so much.
4: Thank you, for thank you, us. Jenna. Appreciate it.
1: I also want to talk about my good friend, Mike Lindell. He has been canceled out of so many box stores for simply standing up for his own political opinion and disagree or not uh, or support him or not. It is a fundamental right of every American to be able to voice their opinion, and that absolutely includes politics. That absolutely includes uh, issues that are central to our culture. That includes faith. Uh, Mike is such a very sincere Christian, and I am proud to consider him a friend, and he is, of course, a friend of this show. So right now, there is a special on MyPillow.com. Click on the new radio listener specials, get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including a great towel set, which is a six-piece set. It includes two bath, two hand towels, two washcloths made in the USA regularly $109.99 now just $39.99 but you have to use the promo code Jenna. That's J-E-N-N-A. That tells Mike that you listen to this show. You're happy that he is uh, a sponsor of this show. And you will get great, great discounts. But use the promo code Jenna. That's J-E-N-N-A. Either at mypello.com or call 1-800-564-8475 and use the promo code
0: Jenna